joining us this week to promote her new book, Visual Thinking, as well as to discuss the importance of accepting visual thinkers in, the, in both the classroom and in society is animal behaviorist, Colorado State professor, and autism advocate, Temple Grandin. This is Talk Ag to Me. Hello and welcome to Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brendan Black, and once again, we're able to bring back a very big idol of mine, as well as a former guest of this show, Temple Grandin. Now, for any of you any of you who do not know, Temple Grandin is a uh, well-known professor in the fields of animal behavior, as well as autism, and she's written countless books about both of those subjects, as well as a big analysis of visual thinking and how it can be used in both the professional field, as well as the educational field. And that's what her most recent book, Visual Thinking, is all about. For any of you who haven't gotten a chance to read it yet, I would definitely recommend it, and I'll put a link to where you can find it down in the description below. It's a great read. It's a bit of a long book, in, in my opinion, but it was definitely worth it, and it was a, a great insight into the minds and, and the mechanics of some of the greatest thinkers in the world. Uh, I will leave a lot of the details for the interview, but before we jump into it, I just want to say thank you all so much for all of your continued support of this show. Thank you to Temple Grandin for being a guest on, on this show, and I will make sure to link all uh, her stuff down in the description as well. And also... For anyone who doesn't know, we just opened up a new uh, Patreon for this podcast. So if you're willing to or interested in providing any kind of financial support for the show, there's no obligation to whatsoever. It's not going to change anything about the show. Uh, it's just if you, out of the kindness of, of your heart, want to give back to the show and help out with uh, getting new equipment, new software, new uh, programs, that sort of thing to improve the quality and just to keep this show running a little bit longer, uh, that is definitely available for you to go and, and do. And I'll put that down in the description as well. So Make sure you're liking, following, sharing, uh, doing all the things that you need to do on your various platforms and making sure this this episode gets out as far as it can. And without further ado, here's the interview. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So uh, if you could just start off real quick by introducing uh, who you are for anyone who may not know and talk a little bit about the book and what the motivation was in writing it. Well, my name is Temple Brandon, and I am a professor of animal science at Colorado State University. And I've worked uh, many years on uh, cattle behavior, design of cattle handling facilities. Um, I have three graduate students that are now professors, so I'm really happy about that. And the reason for writing my book, Visual Thinking, The Hidden Gifts of People Who Think in Pictures, Patterns, and Abstractions, is I'm very concerned <coughs> about skill loss. In 2019, right before COVID shut everything down, I visited two state-of-the-art brand new pork processing plants, a brand new beautiful state-of-the-art poultry processing plant and the Steve Jobs Theater. Now, what would these places have in common uh, in the brand new pork and uh, uh, poultry plants? Almost all the equipment inside the plant was imported from Holland. And I remember I'm standing on a catwalk saying, we don't make it anymore. And then I went out to the Steve Jobs Theater and the structural glass walls came from Italy and Germany, and the roof came from Dubai. And these are all highly specialized things. Why are we not making it? And I kind of had sort of a light bulb moment. And during COVID, I decided we were going to write a book, got together with Betsy Lerner, and I'm about skill loss. Hmm. And why is this happening? It's happening because 25 years ago, we took out shop classes. And the people I worked with 
that developed equipment like the center track restrainer system that's in all the big plants, built my stockyards, all did all kinds of equipment for me, are retiring. And they're not getting replaced. A lot of the, even the beef plants, where you still actually know how to build beef. Um, but I've been in plants where they have no ability in the shop to make simple hydraulic things because the older people have retired. And the other big mistake that was made 20 some years ago was shutting down in-house engineering departments. Montfort's, and they've been gone for years now, uh, had a huge metal fabrication shop. They built a lot of my stuff. That's all gone now. Because in the short run, it was cheaper to farm the, the, the stuff out to local shops. But now that's catching up with it. Another thing I did in working on this book is I went back to all the jobs, and I've been in the industry now for 50 years, where I spent considerable time out on construction projects or was going over to the shop all the time. And I estimate that about 20% of the very skilled fabricators, people with lots of patents, were either autistic, dyslexic, or ADHD. They're playing video games in the basement instead of building stuff. And so this is something, it was a bad mistakes made years ago. Well, we've got kids growing up today that never used a tool and we need to put those shop classes back in and we need to be, hit, we need to be hooking kids young. We've got kids today, never used a tool. I had a student in my class hadn't ever used a ruler or a tape measure in their whole life last year. Wow. Um, that's ridiculous because mm. you don't know if you're gonna like these things unless you're exposed. Mm. so yeah. that was one of the reasons for writing the book on right. visual thinking yeah and let me just say it is a fantastic book i, I finished it a couple weeks ago and it was just a roller coaster of excitement for me. Uh, I uh, a little bit of background about me. I'm I'm studying to be a high school agriculture teacher, and uh, I'm very interested in in student behavior and and animal behavior and in, in the the minds of of students and how they develop. So hearing from the perspective of somebody who thinks a little bit differently than how I think, because I'm a bit more of a verbal learner, uh, it's interesting to hear that that side of things and also how to work with those students and make them more uh, accessible in the in the career field. Uh, so so my my next question for you is. I, re I really like how in the book you mentioned the IKEA test as a way of assessing whether or not you're a, a visual thinker and, and what level of visual thinker you may be. Are there any assessments for high school students that you think would be useful uh, right out the gate, maybe first day of school to figure out where they're oh, at? I'm not going to figure out the first day of school. Okay. You know, the thing, I'm a big believer in getting kids exposed to a lot of different things. We got kids uh, growing up today never used a tool in their life. Mm. And I was mm. using tools in second grade. I had wood shop in fifth grade. We need to be, I get asked, what would I do? Put all the hands-on classes back in the schools. Mm. That includes theater, sewing, cooking, woodworking, home ec, uh, welding, auto shop, because that's how kids get interested. Mm. I'm a big believer in exposure. And you look at a lot of different careers, it starts with exposure. I know somebody has a corporate jet. He started out with one high school welding class, tiny mm. shop and grew. Another person I worked with that built some of my stuff, um, he grew up uh, working on cars. There was another person where a single welding class started a career wow. building specialized equipment. I have to be somewhat vague about this stuff because I can't identify them. Mm. But um, it, this is why taking those classes out so bad. I just was up in um, Sterling, uh, Colorado, and um, they uh, can't find a teacher for their new welding shop. They just built this community college. 
we need to be booking kids earlier than community college. That building things is fun, mm -hmm. but we've got a big problem. Mm -hmm. Let's say, well, I, I suggest that, um, you know, you go to the airport or someplace like that, and there's people fixing elevators and escalators, do the gray hair test. I was just mm -hmm. in a major airport two weeks ago, four guys fixing an escalator, and they had it all torn apart. Looks like meatpacking plant conveyors inside. <laughs> and three out of four were gray. Wow. I've been on some very dicey elevators very recently uh, where mm. the bellhop goes, oh, well, it doesn't stop at that floor. We get it on the way down. Wow. Uh, yeah. Okay. You know, it's, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, why I, I did the book Visual Thinking. Mm -hmm. What would you say would be the, the earliest that we could start getting some of these students exposed to the, these hands-on experiences? Well, this is why I did this little book, Calling All Minds. Okay. When I did it, I have a paper airplane in here, a very basic one. Mm. 20 or 30% of kids in suburban Denver, when I did a book signing for this four years ago, had never made a paper airplane. They're not mm -hmm. learning how to use scissors. Wow. In the visual thinking book, I had an interview with a doctor, and he was very frustrated in teaching interns how to sew up cuts because they'd never used a needle and thread, and they'd never used scissors. Mm. Wow. That's a problem. Mm. Yeah, I agree. So when... Uh... When looking at these students and whether it be the high school perspective or, or any of these classrooms, uh, you, we're, start, we're starting to notice that, like you have mentioned in your book, we're, we're seeing a distinct lack of activity from the students that are a bit more on the visual side or maybe just a bit more mechanically minded. Uh, and we're seeing a, a large uh, difficulty in pushing them into those industries, whether it be welding or fabrication or any kind of hands-on activity. But I feel like they're getting discouraged in their classes outside of the hands-on sphere as well. Well, let me tell you, I can't do higher math. Mm -hmm. I've done lots of engineering work. And the other, this is brought up in the book. Mm -hmm. There's two kinds of engineering. There's degreed engineering with lots of mathematics. Then there is what I call the clever engineering department. These are the people um, that work out in the shop and invent equipment. Like back in the days of the Montfort Fab Shop, and that's over 20 years ago now, um, they had tons and tons of pens mm -hmm. and those people didn't have degrees. You see, this is the thing. Shop people are the clever engineering department and all of the stuff inside the poultry plant, the pork plant that was imported. It's not the uh, power supply for the plant. It's the, all the clever equipment, packaging machinery, uh, to stuff to take innards out of chickens. This very, very mechanically clever equipment. I call it the clever engineering department. And mm. that's where they're not getting replaced. Mm. And right now, I've got a client right now, I want a simple little hydraulic thing built, which, you know, 20 years ago, I would have just spent a week in there. We would have built it in the shop. I would have, and then they would have installed it. They can't do it. I took one look at their shop. They didn't have a shear. They didn't have any of the tools they would need. Wow. I, it's a real problem. You know, when we're going to have serious issues in the future and things, just making decisions about power plants and stuff like that. And we've got people uh, totally removed from the world of the practical. Mm -hmm. They make decisions about, you know, really important stuff like their electricity supply. Mm. I consider that real important. Is there anything that these other teachers can do? Maybe the math teachers, the English teachers can well, do to help these students? One of the students? things I'm very concerned about, I couldn't graduate from high school today. I think mm -hmm. we need to be dropping some of these algebra requirements. Mm -hmm. Kids, you know, a skilled trades, you only need arithmetic. And it's one of the few places where you don't need to go to college. 
and you can have an extremely good career and maybe a corporate jet thrown in for fun too. Because I can remember one person starting a tiny shop. He built some things for me almost 30 years ago. Huge business now. Mm. And a lot of these kids that are getting labels excel at the hands-on things. Now, the other thing in my book, the visual thinking book, is I have a whole chapter. In fact, oh, let's hold it up and show it. <laughs> there it is right there. Yeah, the there it visual is. visual thinking book is different kinds of minds. I'm an extreme object visualizer. Cannot do algebra. I, I don't even know if I could get my degree program today because my math skills are so bad. But the thing is, you need people like me. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's stuff we're good at because we can see things, visualize it. We're good at mechanics and animals, art and photography. Art and mechanics actually go together. I know that sounds crazy. <laughs> but um, you, so you just can see how something works. And then your mathematical mind, that's your degreed engineer, university degreed engineer. But they're not out there in the, they were not out there in the Montfort Fab Shop inventing things. Hmm. Like there's a hide puller that was invented in the Montfort Fab Shop that wasn't invented by, uh, it's used in all the big plants. I remember when that thing was invented. Shop guys invented that. Wow. You see, this, this is where, you know, people that are not involved and don't realize this. Now, your mathematical engineer, we need you. Boilers and refrigeration. My kind of mind doesn't touch that stuff. That's where you need the mathematical engineer. And that food plant has got to have boilers and refrigeration. Power, water requirements, roof, snow loading, wind loading. Yeah, we don't do that stuff. But the thing is, you need people like me that can visualize things. So if you were to build your ideal team of different types of minds, what would that look like? Well, it depends what we're having them do. All That's right, fair. let's think they, we have to, now there's a whole chapter in my visual thinking book mm -hmm. on complementary skills. Let's yes. take the book itself. Since I'm an associational thinker, I'm not very organized. So I did the rough drafts and Betsy Lerner, my fabulous, totally verbal person, she straightened out all my writing. You see, and we know our different skills. Back to a food processing plant. We have the degree engineer part. We can build a building. That we do just fine. Give it power and water. We're not putting the stuff inside it. Mm. See, the thing is, you need the whole team. Mm. So what would I do to fix this? I'm going to put shop class back in the schools. I want to put all the hands-on classes in the schools. My favorite thing when I was in fourth grade was my Singer Sew Singer so Handy sewing machine. Wonderful little hand crank. <laughs> it actually worked. Wow. You know what? The only difference between making clothing and the stuff with steel is it's a stiff material. Mm. It's all the same skills. Yeah. I got to thank my singer so handy. <laughs> wow. And so... kids are not playing with stuff like that today. It was a re it, it, it actually sewed. It was a real sewing machine and you mm. hand cranked it. Yeah. I I, th I think that in, in 4-H groups, they still have sewing and some of those more home economic Well, and we piece. need to be getting kids, you know, see, then the kids that are in special ed, mm -hmm. okay, so they make the kid take algebra four times when they ought to drop that. Let's look at veterinary requirements. What veterinarian uses calculus and algebra? You're actually screening out some of your best veterinarians. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. This and, is the problem. Now, if you're gonna now, if you're gonna do AI, artificial intelligence, you need algebra. Chemistry, you need algebra. Orbital mechanics, you need algebra. Let's go to the Mars rover. 
Mm. The mathematicians got it to Mars. But somebody, if you look at the, I found the naked cameras for the Mars rover before they were installed. Somebody built those on a workbench. They're not very big. They'll fit in a large shoebox. Um, somebody made that on a workbench. Wow. That's not getting enough credit. Mm-mm. So why do you and, think... And why, it, why is Holland shipping us all this equipment? I'll tell you why. It goes mm. back to their educational system. You can go university track or tech track. And they don't stick their nose up at the tech track. That's why they're making the equipment. That's why the Italians are also making a lot of equipment that's in plants now. Hmm. So why do you think in in our education system, we put such an emphasis on more verbal thinking and more algebra-based math systems? Well, everybody's going to go to college. Hmm. Skilled trades is the one place where you don't need to go to college. And I'm not talking about roofing and floor tiles and asphalting. I'm not, that's just hard work. I'm talking real high-end skilled trades, electricians, people that can read drawings. See, the people I've worked with, I can give them a drawing and they can build the stuff for me. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. And none of them, they were high school graduates or barely high school graduates. Wow. Owning shops. Yeah. I mean, this is what educators don't understand. I spent 25 years with heavy construction. I was out of this Cargill plant in Fort Morgan when they were building it. I was over at Montfort's all the time. When they were building stuff, yeah, no. So, some of the you know, some of the most influential people in my life either barely graduated high school or or didn't graduate high school and are more successful than half the people I know that and did. Who, and what? And who were those people? What were? What did they do? Most of them work in mechanic shops. Uh, some of which mechanic are, shops. Yeah, some are managing dairies. Uh, some are really? uh, helping out with with construction of of new equipment. Um, my brother, for example, is a dispatcher for a trucking company. Very very visually minded. Um, my, my dad has deconstructed and reconstructed trucks more times than I can count and runs his own pest control business. Uh, so mm-hmm. very, very different mindset than, than what I'm. Well, you see, we need all the different kinds of minds mm-hmm. and, exactly. and, um, somebody like you take a, where, you know, it's just reading an article about the streaming services. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to run these huge data centers mm-hmm. and what, you know, you know, it's really fun to ask young students like college students i like Mm. to ask them where the movies live online (laughs) and they'll give me really 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 goofed up answers like it's in a cell phone tower i go really they put all those movies in a cell phone tower or in a and then i have them take their phone go to google images and look up data center i said that's Mm. where they live and it eats us enough electricity to run a small city wow yeah you ought to see the wiring coming into those places. I, I can imagine, yeah. And I, I think that having those 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 practical examples for students to relate to is something that we need to have more of in our in our education. Well, you're saying we need somebody, see, right, right, right now, they've got a beautiful welding shop at the community college in Sterling. They can't find anybody to teach welding, and they dropped the, the uh, college requirement. Beautiful new shop, nobody to teach welding. Wow. And, and there's people that I worked with that owned big shops that built my center track restrainer and other pieces of equipment for me. And they started, some of them started either working on cars was the entry or single welding class. Wow. Yeah, I will say on on the uh, the high school agriculture teacher side of things, we've been having a really hard time getting more mechanics teachers. Do you know why people who are even are visually minded don't want to teach this stuff? They just want to work in the I industry? can tell you where a lot of those visually minded people are. They're playing video games in the basement. On an autism diagnosis, collecting a disability check 
when they should be fixing cars. Hmm. And there's been some good um, successes with introducing them to car mechanics. So they dropped the video games. The video games are stupid, not very interesting. Cars were a lot more interesting to fix. Hmm. And they started fixing cars. But you see, these kids growing up never used a tool. I mean, I had we had run next door neighbors. We had this great erector set, and you used little wrenches to put stuff together. Oh, I loved that. And I'd go over in the neighbor's basement. We build with that. Hmm. You know, there, there's some great things done with Legos, mm-hmm. but then the kids aren't graduating their tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is ridiculous. I agree. So for for even the students that 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 are more equipped with their tools and they know how to use those those types of machinery, what do you think would be the trick to getting them to come back and teach other people how to do those things? I think that, I think first that's of all, you got to be taught to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I I think about people I worked with in shops. I you know they might be willing to come around a weekend start done. Um, teaching kids how to weld at school they can't bring them into their own shop until they're 18 Mm -hmm. yeah unfortunately but they could come into the high school and start teaching some welding Mm -hmm. i but the problem is right now i'm we've got real problems on on getting little things fixed i just was on a call this morning about um fixing problems with cattle restraint equipment and this is not the center track restrainer but like a box type of thing mm. like a squeeze chute type of thing mm. and and i and i've got to write up a thing so that you can change the controls on this and fix the problems you don't have to throw away the piece of equipment you just have to change the hydraulic relief valves and the type of uh, air valves you have mm. and i make a little table you know explaining that okay because i um, people are it's appalling mm. and there's a relationship between what's going on in the schools and let's say with energy and things like this we've got to make serious serious uh, decisions about stuff mm. like this computer and this kitchen right now is powered by a coal-fired power plant mm. a very nice one i've been mm. on the property there's my student raised bison there and i watched them dumping coal into that thing wow. i'm now is the right thing to do to shut that down and go to all wind and solar? I'm scared of doing that. Mm-hmm. So the first question I would ask would be, what's the lowest level I can operate that plant? Maybe five or 10% of capacity and keep it functional because mm-hmm. it hurts it to shut it down. Hurts it. I know enough about equipment to know that. Can I run it at five or 10% and keep the expertise that people know how to operate it? And I just, you know, so then we're like 90% off of the coal. The plant's still there working. And if we have an emergency, okay, we just um, uh, go to the computer and order some more coal. (laughs) Really, really easy. But you see, I see that. I see a rail car dumping in that thing right now. Mm -hmm. I haven't been inside the station, but I got to watch a lot of coal cars dump. And, but you see, that's not abstract. Mm. And, and and the plant's not a pile of junk. It's a nice plant, too. Mm-hmm. See, that's another thing that you want to take into account. Because if we get a real emergency, you can just crank that baby up. Mm. Shut it down, you can't. And you damage it when you shut it down. The other thing is you lose the expertise. Mm. See, and I'm relating that to the um, 
losing the expertise in the meat industry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, I wanna, and I would get, I, I, I want, I'd get very good advice from people that actually operate and find out what, what's the lowest I can just run that and sustainable, not hurt it in any way. Hmm. And just run it really, really, really low. Hmm. And then, and then be 80%, 90% not cold. But you see, I'm worried about closing that down completely. Yeah, no, I can definitely see that. And I, I think low electric heaters, I'm going to get really cold. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think that, that that calls to another part of the book that I, I was really interested in, which was the uh, the ability for visual thinkers to identify problems that nobody else is able to see. Uh, I, I think that that's something that we haven't really capitalize on enough, whether it be in the educational sphere or in the industry, being able to use those types of thinkers to identify well, problems. Look that at, that's my disasters chapter. Mm. And engineers math calculate risk. Mm -hmm. And on Fukushima, the engineers did a fabulous job of making it shake proof from the earthquake. Beautiful. Everything worked. 20 minutes later, tsunami comes in and drowns the emergency cooling pump. You see, they didn't see the water flooding the site. And I'm going, how could they do that? And what I'm realizing is not stupidity. Mm. They don't see it. Mm. Simple watertight doors. All I need to know about that reactor is that pump doesn't run when I need it, I'm screwed. It's that mm. simple. Yeah. And electric pumps don't run underwater. Yeah. So it's it, that it, simple. <clears throat> So is that that um, that ability to see those types of issues, is that more of an object visualizer or a spatial That's visualizer? That's object visualizer. That's object, okay. I mean object visualizer. So let's go in a little bit explaining. Object visualizer, everything is a picture and it's mm. specific. Mm. It's specific. Verbal thinker has a broad concept and it's generalized. Then you have your mathematical mind. Object visualizers see pictures. We're terrible at higher math, abstract math. Mm. We're good at Art, mechanics, animals, and photography. Then you have your visual spatial. They're your degreed engineer, tons of math, computer programmers, chemists, people that are going to work on artificial intelligence. But maybe I need to work on the training data set for the artificial intelligence. That's where you need me because there's been a lot of problems worked. And mm. it all goes back to the training data set. Mm. And in a lot of cases, it's pictures. Wow. And yeah. and the mathematicians aren't visualizing some of the problems you're going to get if uh, you don't use a very broad training data set. Mm -hmm. Then you've got your verbal thinkers where everything's words. And when I was in my 20s, I didn't know that some people thought in words. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I, I started looking at what cattle were seeing when they were going through shoots. Well, it was obvious if it was a visual thinker. Mm -hmm. To look at stuff like that. So you mentioned in the book that the the there's a spectrum though when it comes to visual yes, and verbal thinking. Yeah. Yes, there is, and a lot of people are mixtures. And there's been some some uh, research that shows that you know different styles of teaching don't really matter. Mm. Well, that's probably true for the people that are mixtures, mm -hmm. but it's not true for the extreme ones. And when a kid gets a special ed label, they're going to be an extreme mathematician, mm. maybe an extreme object visualizer. Mm. And, 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 and these are the people, I, none of the people that I worked with hmm. that built my stuff could do elsewhere. I asked them. Wow. 
And, and how, so when, when it comes to your, your style of thinking, I know that you mentioned in the book that a lot of it has to do with your, with the construction of your brain. So is a lot of this based off of genetics? Is it a lot of behavioral or environmental factors? What, well, what do you I think, think contributes I, to this? I think learning also affects it because you can take somebody who's not that visual and, and sometimes force them to, to like see stuff more, more specific. But you're not going to take an extreme object visualizer like me and turn me into a math specialist. That's not going to happen. Gotcha. Is, okay. You see, where I think that genetics makes the biggest difference is when the extremes. Mm. And there's a lot of people in the middle of the road. You know, they could learn to read the whole word or they could learn to read phonics, for example. A uh, whole word didn't work for me. Um, but I'm very, very concerned about skill loss. Mm -hmm. And you know, the way the thing to do is to put all these hands-on classes back in. The other thing when we have really bad skills is writing, mm -hmm. just writing, clear writing. Like a lot of students need to take a writing class. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As someone who, so I, uh, I mentioned earlier that I'm, I'm more of a verbal thinker. Uh, I, I tend to behave and problem solve a bit more like a visual thinker though. I'm very detail oriented. I identify patterns, but when I, when I communicate, it's often very, very verbal in, in how my thought process works. So I'm a big writer, but I can identify issues similar to how a visual thinker would. So I, I would agree yeah. with you. I think writing is a, is a huge skill that needs to be used a lot more. Um, how would you say is a good way to incentivize students to want to write more? Well, you got to have teachers give them writing assignments and then mark the work up. Mm -hmm. And I, I've, in the last seven or eight years, uh, graduate student writing skills are horrible. And I have talked to a lot of professors about this, mm. and they agree with me. And I asked these students, and they're smart students, did you ever write term papers? Did the teachers ever mark them up? No, they never did this. Wow. But another thing that's been very valuable in my career is having decent writing skills. Mm. That's, and I had that by ninth grade, mm. even though I was a dreadful, horrible, unmotivated student. Interesting. Okay. And, and you mentioned, uh, you, you also mentioned in the book that, um, you, your, your brain work, uh, puts things out of, out of order, you know, you're, like a verbal thinker is more sequential. You like to kind They're of think about sequential. things. See, my thinking is associative, Okay. but there's a logic to it. So, um, give me a keyword and make it something creative, not house or car or something I can see here now. Make it, give me a really creative keyword. Um, let's... And I'll tell you how I access my memory. Okay. Um, let's say Hereford. Oh, I am seeing a Singing Valley Ranch in Arizona where I first started a, a beautiful Hereford cattle there. Um, I've got a Hereford cattle trophy. I'm seeing that. And now I'm seeing Angus cattle that kind of took over from Hereford. I'm all Now I'm jumping back and I'm seeing a feed yard in Hereford, Texas. Okay, you see how, but these things mm -hmm. are coming up as pictures. And I think their school mascot is a Hereford. Mm, wow. Okay. Now so. I'm seeing the UK because the Hereford breed came from the UK. Mm -hmm. You see, it's associated. And I was also on a Zoom call uh, just earlier this morning uh, with, in the UK. Mm, okay. Yeah, which it, when when I when I think through things, it's very similar. But I do I do that same level of association just with 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 words, you know. I, yeah, I, I you know. see it as a like a picture comes up. Okay, I'm now seeing Ireland because now I've gotten into the pasture. That mm. brings up another thing. 
you know, agriculture's really been taxed. So I wrote this paper, and you might be interested in this. Oh, yeah. That's Raising awesome. cattle, sheep, and goats is an important part of a sustainable agricultural future. And what I did in that is I reviewed every scientific study I could find mm. on rotational grazing and how it can improve land and on using grazing to um, um, cover crops, when you know, cover crops for soil health. Mm. And you can use livestock to improve land. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That, is, is that available to, to read yes, now? Or you, is that... you just type this title into Google, it'll come up. Okay. Grazing yeah. cattle, sheep, and goats is an important part of the sustainable agricultural future. Or you can go on to Google Scholar, type in Temple Grandin, and then you have to set it for 2022. Mm. Because otherwise it brings up all my older papers first. A lot, of, a lot of great work there. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, I will definitely read into that. That sounds really interesting. Uh, and, and that that transitions into another point that I really want to touch on before we close here, uh, which is the the implementation of animal behavior lessons into early animal science pathways. We talked about this briefly before this interview, but I want to hear your thoughts on this. Well, I think that there needs to be some formal training in animal behavior. Okay, let's take something very simple with a dog, for example. What is the difference between learned behavior and what instinctual or hardwired behavior? Like the dog wants to play. He'll do the play bound, put his butt up in the air. That's instinctual. The dog's angry. The hackles go up and they do that. That is hardwired. Uh, cattle don't have hackles. Cattle don't raise their lip. They do this. You see, now those are examples of instinctual hardwired behavior. But cows learning to come in at four o'clock in the afternoon for milking, that's learned behavior, mm. totally learned behavior. Mm. See, things that simple. I had somebody the other day in the cattle industry asking me what was instinctual. For example, bulls fight like this and horses go like this. Mm. When they fight, they rear and do that. That's instinctual. That's a mm. hardwired behavior pattern. Horses are never going to butt heads. Mm -hmm. See, those are examples of just Behavior has now the motivation to fight. That would be similar. Right. You want to be dominant at the water trough, um, things like that. The motivation mm -hmm. is similar, but the way they display it, there's species differences. Mm -hmm. Those are important things. And there's basic principles of learning, things that people need to have. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the history of animal behavior research where you had the scenarians, everything's learned. Then you have the ethologist, everything's the environment. Well, right. it's a mixture. It's right. a mixture. But there's certain things like the play bow in a dog that is a, when he's happy and he wants to play, he does a play bow. Hmm. Cattle don't do a play bow. You see, these, see now as I'm talking about this, I'm seeing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, and, and I, right. I, I've worked with with uh, cattle since I was a, a freshman in high school, and my sister trains horses for a living. So animal behavior somewhat comes naturally to me. But in some of the students that I've worked with, they can watch, you know, a steer, for example, put his head to the floor and start stomping, and they don't recognize that as a as an aggressive or a warning sign. Well, yeah, and that's a warning. The other thing that people don't realize about bulls mm -hmm. is before you get to the head lowered and stomping, they'll turn sideways to show you how big and strong their neck is and hunch up their neck and like showing their biceps. Wow, I, I never knew that. And they would do that broadside threat hmm. before they attack. And a bullet does a broadside threat towards humans needs to be, go right to the meat plant. Mm, interesting. Uh, and 
And the way to prevent that from happening is if you have an orphan bull calf, mm -hmm. the safest thing to do is make a steer out of it. That solves the problem because it is a guy problem. Now, if you don't want to make a steer out of it, you can get it on a nurse cow. That's the best thing I can do because I want it to grow up knowing that it's cattle. Where you get into trouble is this animal grows up thinking he's people. Then when he becomes sexually mature, he views men as rivals mm. and they kill men mainly. Hmm. Interesting. Really, really dangerous. And uh, you you want to prevent this. You, you want cattle growing up knowing that they're cattle. Mm. And that then they're going to do that towards other cattle, not towards people. Right. Uh, but get that animal out in a social group. The most dangerous animal is a hand-reared pet. Now, steer is fine in somebody's backyard unless mm -hmm. you've taken the, the testicles off. Mm -hmm. Heifer is fine, no problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I, I've I've noticed that a, a lot of students, not just on the high school level, but even that are studying animal science, vet science, all these different career paths, they don't have that that basic understanding of animal behavior. So, how do you think we? Well, I we... think you see the problem is uh, my student Chelsea Shively did papers. You can look those up on Google Scholar. I'm. Um, where like something like 20 or 30% of the vet schools, it's possible for a student to get all the way through without even getting dog and cat basic behavior. Mm. And I think the reason for that is behavior consults don't make money. Mm. High-end procedures make money. Mm. And they're not getting this basic behavior. I was, um, I remember, I don't know, three or four years ago, I was over in the UK before COVID shut everything down. I was talking to vet schools, students about the bull behavior. Mm -hmm. And I was telling what telling you right now. And if you raise that bull, you let's say you bottle feed him, like as soon as he's six weeks old, I want to get him out there living mm -hmm. with other adult cattle. So he learns he's cattle. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. H have you have you by chance watched um Dr. Pole at all? No, I haven't. Okay, so he he's a veterinarian. I believe he's from Holland, but I could be wrong. Uh, he he's got a series on on uh, Disney Plus. I think it was a National Geographic or something like that. And a lot of his veterinary practice is based on assessing behavior first, and then looking at the the whatever biological issue needs to be fixed at the time. Uh, do you do you think there's an advantage in teaching veterinary students to be able to identify behavioral issues before looking well, at the problem? Well, let's look at the behavioral issues that pet owners have: mm -hmm. dog bites. Home Alone destroys the house, pees and poos all over everything. Mm. And, I mean, that's why people get rid of animals. Okay, dogs biting. Is it um, uh, territorial? The real common thing is when I'm in the truck, I protect. When I'm outside the truck, I'm best buddies. Mm. See, that's territorial. you got to figure out, is it fear? You know, dogs that have been beaten up by you know bite due to fear now you might have something where a dog's very badly hurt mm. and you pick it up and it bites because it's in terrible pain that's one thing i'm going to forgive a dog for biting if it's that situation mm. um and then there's also some genetic differences in the tendency to um, be aggressive mm. you see everything is important mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense
So tying that back to our original topic about visual thinking, uh, do you think that visual thinkers are more likely to notice those behavioral differences? Yes. Or, okay. Visual thinkers are, tend to be very, very good with animals. Mm -hmm. And this is what worries me in veterinary practice. I just was up in Quebec, Canada, and they, I stayed in the home of a people that have a big veterinary practice. And they they said the best bovine veterinarian was the one that failed the, the qualifying exam twice. Wow. Because he can just see, but he can't do all the math stuff. Mm. And I think we got to start thinking about things where you need that math. If you're going to be a chemist, yes, you have to have the math. You want to do uh, orbital mechanics, you're going to need the math. AI intelligence, computers, you'll need linear algebra. Mm. Uh, there's places where you need the math. There's other things where I don't know what veterinarian uses calculus. Why is that a prerequisite? Yeah, now, arithmetic sure. and drug dosing. Drug dosing, you've got to do it in your sleep and you've got to do it accurately. That's non-negotiable. Mm. You have to learn that. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, uh, that that's wrapping up pretty much all the questions that I had. Is there anything additional you wanted to, to add on to any of this? Well, I've also, want, one of the reasons why I did this grazing paper mm -hmm. is, you know, the industry's getting attacked. Like cattle's putting out all the methane and everything like this. So I started looking into other methane emitters. So one that's worse is probably leaking oil field equipment. Hmm. And since I wrote the paper, I've found more stuff on that. The other thing is if the tundra melts, uh, that's going to be more methane than any cattle ever thought of putting out. Hmm. And so we need to be putting things in perspective where the grazing animals, and bison would also be included, you know, could, could help improve soil, improve land. Hmm. And I... Uh, there's a place for grazing animals. In fact, the new nature has sheep on the front cover. And there was an experiment in Germany where grazing long grasses, uh, just the right amount of grazing. And that was not in their paper. If I'd reviewed that paper, I would have said, well, how long were the sheep in there? And how much did you let them graze it down? And what time of year did you put them in there? Mm. And left that out of the paper. Severe problem with the methods. See, this is where you need feasible thinkers like me to go over the method section. Got yeah. another paper and uh, that I reviewed, and they had a concentrate feed plus some roughages. They said what the roughages were, but they didn't tell me what the concentrate feed was. Hmm. Well, it matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. things that basic get are getting left out. Lots of math and lots of statistics, but what did you feed them? Mm. Yeah. This had to do with nutrition. It matters. Mm. So what do you think, uh, on addition or in addition to doing these these studies, what do you think is the, the the necessary next steps for the industry to help with our not only our our you know environmental impact but also our message to the public? Since you said we've been under fire lately, well, I think that uh, there's a lot of good things like in the NCBA, the environmental stewards and things like that. You know, people are interested in in people's individual stories. Hmm. That's what people are interested in. And this was paper on grazing. Now it's in a scientific, this is open access. I thought, but I've got a hundred references in there and 90, 90 of the references. Mm -hmm. A lot of surfing online to find all those papers. Mm -hmm. And it has to be done right. You can overgrow graze land and wreck it. A basic mm -hmm. principle is take half of the grass and the other basic principle is the green stuff regenerates faster than the roots. Hmm. That's another basic principle. You've got to allow sufficient rest. Okay, good to know. Uh, those are some of the basic things. 
and it's also very local. I recommend that people get very good local advice. So you don't get things where it got frosted and the major cattle sick or maybe some of them died. Hmm. You know, you've got to make sure those kind of mess ups don't happen. Hmm. But we need the point I'm going across now, you need visual thinkers like me that can see solutions to problems hmm. and mathematicians calculate solutions to problems. We need to have both. And we need people that can maintain equipment. So you put up all these wind farms. I just saw in our Colorado papers the other day that the top of one of them fell off because I hadn't been maintained. Hmm. Oh, that's ridiculous. And wow. who's going to be good at maintaining that? Be some autistic person where those windmills would be the most important thing in their life. Hmm. Keep those working. Mm-hmm. You know, right. this is where we need all the different kinds of thinkers to, and we have to find practical ways to solve problems. We're getting too much where things are getting too far away from looking at things in a very practical way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, yeah, all right. Well, um, do you have any advice for myself, for example, going into teaching and also I'm working on my master's uh, research right now. So on the research think, side of things or on the student advising side of things? I think the basic things. thing is realize different kinds of thinkers exist. Mm-hmm. Most people are mixtures, mm-hmm. but uh, the kids with a label, a special ed label, often might be that extreme visualizer mm-hmm. who will invent, you know, mechanically clever equipment. All right, think squeeze shoots. They're an example of what I would call the clever engineering department. Grain harvesting equipment. Mm-hmm. Those are another examples of the clever engineering department. All right. And, and, uh, I'm worried about these kids getting screened out and they're playing video games on a disability check when they ought to be, you know, solving problems and building stuff mm-hmm. and figuring yeah. out how to, how do we solve problems? Because mm-hmm. if things get too abstract, we're going to be making very serious mistakes, like no watertight doors on Fukushima. Mm-hmm. And then I also went into the Boeing Max, which by the way is fixed. And I've been mm-hmm. on it, but you took a sensor the size of a Sharpie pen, sticks out from under the cockpit window, very fragile, wired it up to a fancy new computer system the pilots didn't know about, and you used just one very fragile sensor. Yeah. How could you do that? They didn't yeah. see a pigeon or whatever, just ripping the thing off or ladder or something, hitting it while busting it. Yeah, that is insane. When I found out what an angle of attack sensor was, and then I went and looked at them, I'm going, you wired that up to a computer? A fancy new computer that pilots don't didn't even know about it? Just one of them? Really? You did that? Those two plane crashes. But and when you see when you look at it visually, that's very, very simple. Mm-hmm. It also would have been extremely easy to correct in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Very, very easy to correct. But like you said, you know, people who are too focused on the big picture can sometimes miss sometimes miss those details. Well, the thing is, some details are more important than other details. And in mm-hmm. food safety, those are called critical control points. Mm-hmm. Like where in your process, for example, are you most likely to contaminate the meat? I can't measure everything, 100 things on the slaughter floor. Mm-hmm. Well, they found out, it took the industry about 10 years to learn it, skinning out the back legs. Mm-hmm. Single most critical um, uh, procedure for meat contamination when you're dressing out a beef. Hmm. 
Wow. It took a long time to figure that out. You ought to see all the little plastic and steam stuff they put on it. That's done with surgical precision compared to other stuff. Wow. Because it's a critical control point. Where And then, of course, you've got to not make a hole in the gut. So we've known that for years. That was already known. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, again, I think that, that that wraps up everything that I had. Uh, if, if you have any other closing statements, I'd, I'd be happy to hear them. Um, but well, if not... the first thing, and I tell this to big corporations, mm -hmm. the first thing is you have to be aware that different kinds of thinkers exist. Mm -hmm. And they bring different skills to the table. And we need to be looking at how we can use them in a very, very complementary way. I have to go back to the meat plant because that's where I have the experience. My kind of mind, I can't do algebra. We design the clever equipment, think packaging machines, hide pullers, all those kind of things. And then you degree to engineer, boilers, refrigeration, roof loading, electric and water. You see, you need the whole team mm -hmm. to make a large food processing plant of any kind. Mm -hmm. I have to think in specific examples. I don't think in generalities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, okay. the, and it goes back to the education where in Europe, in Germany and Italy, you can go university track or you can go tech track and they don't look at the tech track as, as something lesser. I've worked on big complicated projects with people that barely graduated from high school, inventing things, big complicated things. I know over the Cargill Fort Morgan plant, Back in the early 90s, they did a big plant expansion and they had to keep the plant running. And some of the stuff they did to route the cattle around um, and things they had to do with concrete work, it was not simple. Mm. I was out there all the time. Mm. You know, it's you know, easy for you know some educated to you know poo-poo something off. They haven't ever been out on a construction pro big construction project. Yeah, no, I I really hope that over time we can start to evolve our systems more towards that that higher emphasis on the technology and on the on the visual thinking aspect of education as well. Well, you see, you need you need both, mm -hmm. and and I'm okay. Let's take this Zoom interface. You don't have to learn how to use it. Hmm. That that that's a job for a visual thinker. Programmers have to make it work. That's a job for the mathematician. You need both. Mm -hmm. Because the mathematicians like to put so many features on it that it's impossible to use. I got so many gadgets in my car, I don't know how to work all that stuff. You know, sometimes less is more. Mm -hmm. That's what Zoom has learned. And then StreamYard, another really nice uh, platform I'm going to be using in just a, about an hour. Mm -hmm. uh, first time I was confronted with StreamYard, I was able to use it just mm -hmm. fine and and i had to use it when zoom broke on an international conference next wow. thing i know stream arts coming up there i go ah what's this and i found it was completely easy to use mm -hmm. yeah so, I, I i got to use stream for the first time last week it was it was really really it's simple easy. yeah and you didn't i didn't have any training in Streamyard, and and the reason why i had to use Streamyard is because the servers for zoom broke in brazil mm. And then two hours later, StreamYard shows up. I'd never seen it before, and I did it just fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't have to learn how to use it. So I, StreamYard's another platform I'll recommend. Because I don't, I'm not interested in being trained how to use conferencing software. Mm -hmm. That's something I shouldn't have to be trained for. Agreed. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that, that's I, I I agree. I think that we need more more programs and more more software that can be easily accessible and easily used for stuff like this. I think that it and like to your point, using those visual thinkers to design things like this is a huge advantage. And I think that if we can we can have more of a push towards that direction, it would it'd be very well. And you need to have the mathematical thinker because the mathematical thinker does all the math and programming and that it makes it work. Mm-hmm. Streamyard, somebody had to program that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. See, but that, but it's both important. Mm-hmm. And I yes. think visual thinking is often kind of undervalued and considered a lesser form of thinking. But when I think about the complicated stuff that I watched these people make, and I was over in that Montfort Fab shop all the time. I was over there. Even after I had major surgery, I was in that shop. I'm mm. not picking up or doing anything, but looking at stuff. <laughs> yeah, and that's gone now. And now we're realizing what we lost. That decision was made 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would you say, sorry, last question here. Uh, what would you say is the most um, impressive or significant visual thinking accomplishment you've seen? Well, let's uh, let's look at, there's all kinds of things. You have them in art. I'm saying Michelangelo's David. Mm-hmm. He was probably autistic. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a visual thinking accomplishment. Uh, in, in art, mm-hmm. uh, people that are good at animal behavior. I'm thinking about all the equipment that's inside these meat factories. Mm. The comp- I call it the clever engineering department. Oh, then, of course, we've got to just show my book cover one more time. <laughs> yeah. Visual thinking, available in all formats, hardback, ebook, and audiobook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which that's how I, I read it on an audiobook, and it was. It was fantastic. So, oh, did would you did you read it while you were driving? Yes, yeah. That's... You got some big commutes. Yes, uh, I drive. I drive an hour to, to school every day. So, okay, well then that's the time to be listening. That's How right. long did it take? I think it's about seven hours. Uh, the audiobook was twelve and a half, I believe. It was twelve and a half. Okay, mm-hmm. well, that's quite a few. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was able to listen to it. Um, on, I think it was two times speed though, and and I I finished it pretty quickly. So. Um, well, yep. then you would have gotten two hours each way mm-hmm. on your commute. Yeah, so it only took a few days, and I went home and wrote down all my notes, and and on each chapter I finished, so I was able to to get it all done in time. Um, but yeah, no, it was it it, it was a, it was a listen that I I was not um you know it, it was not it was not a painful listen by any means. I every chapter I finished, well, I, I think it's going to gonna make one. you really think about some things. Mm-hmm. Yes, because definitely. Because I'm thinking all you know, like even in veterinary, you're probably screening out some of your best vets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because you have to do all these math requirements to, you know, now there's some, you know, uh, dosing stuff, but that's formulas. You just memorize them. And you better mm-hmm. you better do that in your sleep and not right. make a mistake. Right. No, yeah. That's non-negotiable. That you have to learn. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So in addition to your to your book, Visual Thinking, and your your new paper that just came out, uh, is, is there anything else you'd like to promote while we're while we're here? Well, no, those are two of the two of the main things. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we're gonna have a lot of complicated problems in the future, you know, power use and stuff like that. And I'm very concerned about it getting too abstract. Mm-hmm. Where it, yes, we need to be reducing the use of coal. Uh, very definitely. Mm-hmm. But we, uh, and, and that maybe well, it's kind of a believe in a diversified portfolio. Yeah. And okay. yeah, I want the number of 
rail cars that dump into the power stations, powering my lights in this computer right now. I'd like to cut that down 90%, but I can still run the plant at 10% mm -hmm. and not mess it up. Mm -hmm. I, that's where I have to ask, you know, also, I'm not afraid to ask. Mm -hmm. Pick that phone up. I'll just start calling. I'm very good at telling the BS from them. You see, this is the other thing. People, they make decisions about stuff and they, they're they too big an ego to pick the phone up or, or write to them and ask. Mm. Yeah. I, no, saw, I, mean, I saw a meat plant ruined because uh, a guy who came out of sales ran this job. He thought he could build it twice as fast as what was possible. And he was told he didn't have enough wastewater treatment. And it shut down. Mm -hmm. That was a multi-million dollar mistake. I was on that project. That was that's about 20, 25 years ago. Wow. So I can talk about it now. Mm. But that's I that's because of eco. He was told the wastewater treatment system was not sufficient and this town uh, shut it down. Expensive mess. Mm. Wow. Yeah, no, and, and like you said, you know, it, if if those conversations were had a bit sooner and that that issue was identified before it got to that level. Well, that... the issue, issue was identified. Mm. He wouldn't listen oh, to I see. of the people. I see. That told him. He was told. Mm. And he did not listen. And it was a complete failure. Multi-million dollar failure. Wow. Yes, you see, ego can be a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, this was ego. I see. And he wouldn't listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that if we're if we're going to to solve a lot of these issues that we talked about, it's you know it, it, more importantly than anything, it's important to set aside pride and and just get the job done. You know, we have to get the job done. I call it project loyalty. Mm -hmm. You need to be loyal to getting the job done. Mm -hmm. Period. Yeah, I like that. Project loyalty. Project My loyalty. job is to get this done, not to fight with a horrible plant manager they've got there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, I think that that is getting close to an hour. So I, I know you have other All right. Well, then it's time I need to get off and I've got some writing I got to do and my phone is buzzing. So I've got to see if that's something I've got to look at right now. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for taking All the right, time. Great I, to I talk to you. It. Yeah. Great talking okay. to you as well. All right. Yeah. Bye. Right, what a fun episode. Thank you, Dr. Grandin, once again for coming on the show. It was such a pleasure getting to talk to you and getting to discuss all of these cool ideas regarding visual thinking and the implementations it has in the educational field and in agriculture overall. I hope all of you enjoyed the episode. Once again, if you are interested in reading visual thinking or learning more about what Dr. about what Temple Grandin has to say, I will link all of her information down in the description and you can go check it all out for yourself. Uh, and if you're interested in promoting or helping out the podcast in any way, you can go ahead and like, follow, share, and uh, get the, the word out about these episodes as, as much as possible. We are available on all podcasting platforms as well as on YouTube, and we have a Patreon available for anyone wanting to uh, provide any kind of financial support for the show. Once again, like I mentioned earlier, uh, no obligation, but it is greatly appreciated, and I thank all of you again so much for your support. But that being said, I hope you all enjoyed the episode. I will catch you next week, and don't forget, if you ate today, thank a farmer. Thank you.